Hello there. While you are listening to this, I am on vacation. I dug into the data on past episodes to find some favorites. And so while I'm gone for a few weeks this August, I am replaying those favorites for you. Whether you are a new listener and you're just getting to hear it, or you are a longtime listener and you're listening again, I think you will love this episode. So without further ado, here is this week's fantastic replay. Welcome to Beyond Better, a podcast that explores a simple but profound idea. We all deserve to live lives we love, and that includes our work lives too. I'm Stacey Ennis, an author and longtime location-independent entrepreneur living in Portugal with my family of four. Join me as I talk business, location independence, writing, travel, and so much more all focused on building a life that is beyond better. I'm very excited this week to introduce you to Misty Mejia. Misty is a dear friend of mine. She's also somebody that I rely on as a business accountability partner. We met just a few years ago, but she has quickly become one of my people. The two of us meet, I would say, every other week or so, and we talk about business, life, highs, lows, we collaborate, we share real numbers in our business, which, let me just tell you, that is a very special thing to have somebody that you can share your financials and feel totally comfortable doing that. Misty is incredibly talented. She's really gifted at training speakers and in helping build thought leadership brands. And really her, her mind is one of strategy and creativity. So she's been in charge of huge projects at major companies, leading their marketing efforts, their thought leadership efforts. And she is somebody you're really going to want to listen to and uh, take her advice and run with it. One thing that's really interesting to me about Misty's story is that she was working at a large company in a great job, but she was ready to branch out, to, to go out on her own. And as you'll learn in this episode, she started her business right before the pandemic hit. I mean, she, she quit her job mere weeks before all of the, the COVID and everything shut down. And yet she was able to get back onto her feet quickly. And she has been very successful in launching her business. In this interview, we talk through her work as a creative producer. You'll learn what that means when you hear our conversation. We also talk about what in the world theater has to do with marketing and business and thought leadership. And she shares so much great information and inspiration that you can directly apply to your own business or if you're looking to build a thought leadership brand of your own. Before I jump into our conversation, I want to read part of her bio so you can hear about her incredible background. Misty Mejia is a business strategist extraordinaire with over 20 years experience in market strategy, project management, public speaking, corporate branding, 
channel marketing, and building some of the world's largest membership programs. Misty has driven success for multiple companies, helping them become multi-million dollar entities. She has implemented her techniques across a variety of industries from hardware manufacturing, software developers, green energy, education, and the accounting profession, to name a few. She's traveled all over the world, inspiring and educating audiences of professionals, and now trains high-achieving leaders on her growth and engagement techniques that she has honed over the years. Outside of her corporate life of travel and strategy, she is a performer, director, and choreographer for professional theater. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her incredible husband, Orlando. Here is my conversation with Misty Mejia. Well, welcome, Misty. I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. Uh, I think I might be more excited so we can have a competition there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like 12 out of 10, so beat that. (laughs) That's pretty high. All right. (laughs) I forgot I was talking to a competitive person as well. Well, let's start out with hearing a bit about your background. Maybe you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell me about what brought you to where you are today as a CEO and creative producer. Yeah, it all started back in (laughs) the day I was born, April 1st. I was delivered by Dr. Slaughter, uh, which is true. So I came in with a really good sense of humor. No, I've, um, you know, I, I'm much like you where I feel like my journey, although it wasn't apparent to me, it started at a much younger age than I was giving myself credit for. Because I started teaching when I was seven years old to my friends. I would take dance classes that my grandparents were paying for. And then I would go to the soccer field early in the morning, meet my friends and teach them what I learned the night before because they couldn't afford dance classes and I was lucky that my parent my grandparents had shipped in and so it just kind of like implanted in me uh, the excitement of sharing knowledge and watching other people succeed and light up when they finally get something and I feel my whole through line has always been about just teaching in some capacity taking what I've learned and teaching it and my through line of teaching has been through acting and directing and then going into marketing but and every aspect when i would learn acting skills i would go teach them when i would become a director i would help the cast kind of envision the show and be the bumpers for them as they grew into the roles when i was in marketing i led teams and i would always you know be the person that was teaching them, hey, here's the next techniques that are out there that I've seen that I think we should try to implement. And it always became this one thing after another, after another of like, hey, I, I love just being that person that can go, hey, I know something that could help you. <laughs> and so when I stepped into my own company, uh, which is actually is my third company. I did not realize this until I found a bunch of business cards this weekend. <laughs> there some things out. I was like, oh, uh, but I left, as you know, my Fortune 500 position, uh, my position at a Fortune 500 company and started my own business. And 
that really being a CEO and a creative producer is really all about teaching women public speaking skills in order to get them confident and knowing that they have information to share that somebody else could benefit from. I love the term that you use to describe yourself creative producer. And I'd love for you to explain what that is and how is that different from, you know, what one might call a a speaking coach? What's the difference between that and the kind of holistic approach that you take to helping speakers? I love that question. Yeah, a creative producer is somebody that takes a concept and makes it a reality. And that process involves everything from idea generation to assembling the right team, to seeing the project through to the final stages of production. So when I was going into this, it wasn't, I didn't want to just teach people like, here's some speaking skills that you could go on stage with. But I wanted to look at them as a holistic individual, the stories that they should be telling, their lighting design and technical elements when they show up on camera or in person, like what that looks like and what their brand is. So you're right, it's a much more holistic (laughs) approach then somebody is like, oh, I'm going to teach you a few techniques so you're confident on stage. It's like, I want to take you from beginning to end so you have a process that is successful for you so and repeatable, but also that invigorates you every time you speak because a lot of leaders have major public speaking anxiety and it's because they don't really have a full step-by-step process to step into. And if you're just giving them one part of that process, I don't feel that's enough. I, I love that approach. And I, I'm sure so many listeners can relate to everything that you're saying right now. What I think is neat about your particular approach is you both, you know, you have this big process that you can walk people through, but you also have so many just kind of tips and tricks that you've taught me just through our friendship over the years that have helped me level up the way that I show up on video and in person. Uh, In particular, you helped me with my background on my video uh, so that I, you know, don't just have either, you know, a half-hearted attempt at looking good in the background of of my video, Um, but it's actually more intentional, like it's more thoughtful and expressive of who I am better lighting. So what are some of the things, you know, I know some of what you do, what are some of the things specifically that you support people in as they kind of show up in a different way as a leader, as a speaker, whatever capacity they're, they're looking to step into? Yeah, for the uh, content side, I'm helping like a lot of C-level executives or people that are about to become C-level executives. And so sometimes it's, it's different for each person of where their hurdles are. Um, one of the women that I'm helping that I'm super excited about, she is a VP and her CFO just left and she went to the CEO and said, Hey, I want that job. And I was like, uh, love, love that. (laughs) Love. (laughs) I like, I was so like enamored with her the moment she told me that. I was like, I love it gosh, we need more women to just know that they have what it takes. You will figure it out. If you don't know everything already, you have the skill set. Her big thing was like, (laughs) she immediately went into panic. (laughs) And then she was like, 
oh my God, Missy, the CFO has to speak at the all hands meetings, has to do all these team motivation uh, speaking opportunities. I have to present to our investors and I have to present to the my peers on the sea level. And she was like, I hate presenting. <laughs> like, what can I do? <laughs> And I was like, okay. And so we started digging into like where she felt were her biggest struggles. And um, she is a finance person. So a lot of it was not telling the story of what the numbers were telling her. And I said, you know, I let her know you have incredible insight to how the company is doing and what changes they could be making if you really dive into the story. And so we started digging into that. The other thing that was really hard for her is uh, answering questions. Like it just puts her in panic of like not having an answer. And so we're working through that whole process of answering questions. And then we're looking at her decks and making sure that they're visually representing what she wants to represent. And then we're working on her background and her lighting and her sound equipment because it's all done virtually right now. And so it really is just kind of understanding where her needs are and then we're working together over the next like handful of months just to get her into a space into a rhythm sometimes that's as easy as setting a pre-speech rhythm <laughs> i was asking one of my clients yesterday i go what do you do to relax and she goes i don't and i was like okay we'll have to fix that first <laughs> <laughs> like we should all have at least one thing that relaxes us yes <laughs> Uh, so I said, here's what I do to relax. You're more than free to use it. But the reason why I asked that is because she uh, has a presentation today and she's, you know, that anxiety is taking over. She hasn't been able to sleep. And if you start creating that pre-presentation um, ritual, it takes you out of that fight or flight moment and it becomes such habit that your body thinks, oh, this is just a normal thing. Like we're gonna play some music, we're going to put some lighting on, we're gonna have a cup of tea, whatever you can do to, that is like systematic. So today she's borrowing my things that <laughs> relax me <laughs> until she develops her own. But really it's, it's looking at the whole thing. If I was just going, hey, here's some acting techniques that you can apply to your speeches, which I do a lot of, um, it, I, I think we would not be taking care of the entire individual and what their needs are. It's interesting just listening to you talk about this because I have the honor and privilege of helping people write their books through nonfiction book school and through some of the individual coaching I do. And yeah. I, it's, it's interesting just listening to you because writing and speaking are such vulnerable places for so many people and in my experience similar to you working with c-level entrepreneurs you know people who outwardly are very successful you look at them and you think that person is a representation of confidence of competence of success exactly. and and yet uh, many of these amazing individuals get to writing and get to speaking and it creates an emotional response. It's a very difficult thing for people to do, to access flow with writing, to really um, show up and write with confidence, to do the same with speaking. And I love that you work the routine part, the rhythm essentially of, of getting into that rhythm of speaking and, and 
creating those habits because that's exactly what I do when I help people write their books. Yes. 100% Stacey. And I think that your process, I, you know, I've been so lucky to be a part of your book writing process and I highly recommend it to everybody that's listening. If you haven't already taken her classes, uh, some of the best education out there. And I, I don't say that lightly because I'm very picky on education, as you know, <clears throat> but I do think that's the key word that you're saying in there is the confidence. And I recently heard somebody saying that the only thing that ever stops anybody in moving forward is confidence and the lack of. And I thought that is so fascinating. And I really do think you can boil it down to that, right? I, it's that confidence that creates that imposter syndrome or all of these other pieces that we're just lacking, we feel that we lack. And a lot of times um, when I'm working with somebody, I, I really want to emphasize that you're not necessarily speaking and trying to teach the person that is 10 steps ahead of you. You're trying to help the person that is two to three steps behind you. Mm. And I think that can help let go of some of that anxiety because it really is, you're just giving a hand to help the next person get to where you are. Yes. I love that. And I think also that, that freedom of showing up to serve, like, taking mm -hmm. the spotlight off of myself and how I look and how I sound and what people are thinking about me. And instead of essentially what I hear you say is I'm here to serve this person. I'm here to teach them or inspire them, whatever it is they're doing through their talk. And that reframing I find also in writing is really powerful because when you can take it off of yourself and how you're showing up and instead focus on the person that you're there to serve or inspire or teach, whatever, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I know you can't hear me nodding, but I am. <laughs> like if you could hear the rocks in my head rattle, you would hear me nodding. <laughs> so you mentioned that you were in my program and then I am privy to information that you're working on a pretty cool project right now. Yeah. And I, on that vein, I don't know how much you are um, willing to share about that, but I do know that it has to do with something related to theater and marketing. And those seem like very different things to, to most people. And I'd love to hear you talk about the connection between theater and, and actually, I guess yours is more about leadership, but you talk about marketing and leadership and all kinds of cool stuff related to, to that idea. So can you tell me a bit about how theater applies to leadership, how it applies to marketing, how it applies to all of these just aspects of our, of our lives and work? Absolutely. I know when I got my directing degree and my acting degree, um, my first job out of college was in technology. So <laughs> that's an obvious link, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and so clear. That, <laughs> I know. And it was motherboard manufacturing. So we were building computers for like white labeling and for HP and all these big corporations. So I uh not having the skill set <laughs> that <laughs> the company were probably was asking for, uh obviously they hired me, but I found all of these immediate links and one of them was memorization 
Like we in acting, you have to be able to memorize a script pretty fast. Like equity actors, which are like the union actors, have two weeks of rehearsal before a show opens. Oh my gosh. And so That's it's wild. <laughs> it's an intense process. But the nice thing is you get get that memorization techniques down really well. So, you know, that's one thing that just immediately helped me diving into computers is like, okay, I'm in the sales and marketing side. I have to be able to regurgitate our message. So luckily <laughs> I have memorization skills <laughs> and I can say it authentically. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> But then the other things to go broader, it's the uh, creative problem solving. On stage, the, no show was alike. There's always something that happens that shouldn't be happening on stage. And if you ever go to an after party, that's all the actors talk about is, like, oh my God, did you see when that happened to me? And the audience is like, no, <laughs> I wasn't watching, just you, I was watching the whole picture. <laughs> But you're, you troubleshoot on stage. And I think a lot of business is all about being able to troubleshoot and pivot and solve something fast so you can continue the momentum moving forward. I think creative thinking and brainstorming and marketing, especially coming up with new ideas that are inventive and out of the box. Uh, theater trains you for that because you don't just take a production and do what somebody else did because then you don't have a stamp, you're just copying. And I think in business, that's the same thing. You can look at somebody else for inspiration, but really how does that inspire you to make your own stamp for your company or your, for your business? So there's a lot of like wild links that I wouldn't have anticipated. And going through this book process with you has definitely been eye-opening. I'm like, oh yeah, and this. And I'm like, at some point I need to stop writing, right? <laughs> But I'm not, just so you know, I'm going to continue. <laughs> yes, please, because the world needs your book. I'm, I'm so excited for, for that to get done and out into the world. And I'll have to have you back on to, to talk about it when it comes out. It'll be very Yay! exciting. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned that you've been working on with people and that um, I know you've had a big impact on is virtual conferences and virtual keynotes. And I, I've because we connect regularly and I get to hear about your work, I've just been so interested and impressed with the way that you're approaching these these events. Because I think what a lot of people are, are doing now that we're, a lot of things are moving virtual, I've started getting some online speaking requests. And I think that the, the standard approach is like, okay, well, I guess I'll just set up my normal camera and I'll just like do a normal normal video like I would do in a Zoom meeting. I think that's right. what a lot of people are defaulting to, right? And I'd love to hear from you, for anyone who's listening now and maybe has something like that coming up or um, wants to pursue some online keynotes or you know, just really give amazing presentations, what are some ways that they could pretty instantly level that up or a few things that they could implement that would level up their online presentations? Yeah, I think the lovely thing about virtual is that we have immediate interaction with our audience, which when you are on a keynote stage, you have like the verbal feedback of laughter, hopefully if you're making a joke or, <laughs> or some sort of like auditory cue that you're doing well. 
but here you can actually respond to questions <laughs> as a keynote person and they can ask you and they have immediate access and to take advantage of that in the best way in service of that audience is such a gift in this environment right now. So my number one thing that uh, I tell people is get people engaged immediately within the first two minutes, ask a question that they can chat in. And if you cannot respond yourself, then you have an admin or somebody from your team that is responding to everybody. Because as soon as they see that somebody is responding, you start stimulating the fact that, hey, like they're listening to me. If it's possible, some we do a lot of pre-recorded virtual sessions. So if it's possible and it's live, then definitely give some people some shout outs because anytime people hear their name, they're just like, oh, that's me. <laughs> and they get excited. But that's the first thing is like, get them engaged right off the bat. The other thing that I would say is make time, which I think this is so pivotal and people don't realize how important it is for it to be a two-way conversation. Even if they cannot speak to you, that part of that two-way conversation is, what are you doing to push yourself in business? Here's what I would, here's what I've been doing for the next few minutes. Just having that little bit of moment for them to have that internal part of their conversation is considered a two-way conversation. People aren't pausing after their questions. They're not giving the audience time to think sometimes. They're just going through their entire process. And the audience wants to absorb what you're saying and think about the questions like in a meaningful way as opposed to you speeding through. So slow down your pacing a little bit make sure you do feel like it's a two-way conversation. Use the chat function as much as possible to ask questions, to get them engaged, have moments where you are planted throughout your presentation where you are deliberately asking them to respond and reading their responses. I love that piece of advice, the, the pause. It's, it, Every time I watch a presentation or listen to a podcast, anything that has, you know, anything that I'm listening to, right? And there's a pause, it gets my attention. That's like the one thing that will definitely get me to stop maybe internally multitasking. If, even if I'm not meaning to, I maybe have thoughts elsewhere. A pause brings me back every time. And I love that not only is it engaging them, but it's also like, almost calling them back to the, to the, to the moment, to that moment with you. Yeah. Giving them time. I, I mean, right now it's, we have major ocular fatigue because we're all staring at virtual meetings <clears throat> and computer screens all day. So we're really exhausted. And so giving them that time to have some silence is a gift as well, because it's a lot of noise coming at us right now. Yes, I love that. That's a wonderful, wonderful tip. And leveling up your backgrounds, I think is a really, a really good one that you have taught me um, in just taking more ownership over the space that is behind you, you know, and um, it didn't take me that long. I'm still working on mine, but it didn't take me 
more than an afternoon to really assemble the pieces and parts to be more, yeah. in, to build and be more intentional. Um, thankfully, I had a Pinterest page from you to work <laughs> from and um, a very long and thoughtful email, which I so appreciated. <clears throat> and that helped me just have the foundation to be able to go and, and, and build that space. Yeah. Uh, but I think just people taking the time to do that is so powerful. I agree. And I, it's, it's been so fun. I like, it's part of my geeky side of the set designer, um, education that I went through. <laughs> so like when somebody goes, Oh, can you help me with this? I'm like inside. I'm like, yes, thank you. Uh, but I also have people that hop on the phone with me and know that I do this and they immediately go, Misty, I'm so sorry about my background. And I'm like, I'm not judging you right now. It's okay. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> The fun thing has been that a lot of people have taken me on tours, virtual tours with their laptops in their hands and showing me <laughs> their entire house. And sometimes we pick out like specific locations in their house that are already done that look really nice and go, hey, this is where you should film this. So make sure we set up this and I'll give them lighting stuff. But for those that are working with blank canvases, it's, it's just understanding that in this virtual environment, 70, I think it's like 76% of the information people are gathering are visual. How you show up, how your background is represented is being taken in. And a lot of times I see like bookcases behind people and they just have a ton of books and knickknacks and all those kind of things. And I will tell you, I don't know if anybody else listening does this, but majority of people will start reading the spines of all your books instead of paying attention oh, to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Or trying to figure out what that shape is on the, on the shelf. Like yeah, what, or what the picture is of, if the picture is too small. And so you, you have to take those things into consideration of what is actually going to distract your viewer versus enhance your message. Such great very practical tips that everybody can go apply immediately. Thank you. I'd love to switch gears a little bit and talk about something that I find very fascinating about you. Uh -oh. You started your business right before the pandemic hit. It was like weeks, I think, before that you left your major and, and very prestigious job and started your business. Um, and I'm just, I'd love to hear from you about that experience of kind of going through this un, un, world unraveling, finding your feet to continue forward with this business. And, you know, what, what was that like for you? And how, what have you learned from that? How have you grown as an entrepreneur? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was, I left my job on February 26th. <laughs> and then I went to Hawaii because I was like, I need a vacation. <laughs> and then we're sitting in the hotel room in Hawaii watching the news and watching the world fall apart and the pandemic is hitting. And then we'd be like, all right, well, do you want to go snorkel? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was it just was really odd time. Like after about two weeks, because we were there for two and a half weeks, so about two weeks, we were just like, I think we should go home because it, it was just kind of scary. We had, didn't have enough information to make any decisions. That being said, when I did come home, 
It was like, all right, this is the start of my business. Three months to do like planning and strategy and just with a clean mind because I couldn't do that while I had my other job. I had a contract, uh, a couple contracts that I was like, this will at least pay the bills while I'm brainstorming. I lost those contracts, which as you know, were $85,000 worth of business in my first week. And it was nothing that the companies like could have seen. It was literally all of the events that I was going to be working at, the live events where I would be producing their keynote stages and working with their keynote speakers just shut down completely. So yeah, it was a little bit of a panic attack. <laughs> I imagine. So what, what was your next step? Like, what did you do at that moment? I am a big believer of you have to get that blah out, right? And you just can't stay there, but you have to give yourself a moment to just have a panic attack and go, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then step up and go, okay, what skill sets do I have? This might push my planning to a little bit shorter time. That's okay. And I knew that I had helped multiple companies past the multi-million dollar mark. And there was no reason that I couldn't do this for myself. I had gone in and saw what they needed to do and was able to build the strategy, execute the strategy. So it really, you can dive into that self-talk of all of those negative things of like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. And I wrote down the things that I thought I was gonna be struggling with that would be a challenge. And I literally made a column right next to it and wrote all of the positive things that counteract those negatives. And you can have a choice when you write those two columns of where you wanna put your focus. And I choose the column of like, all right, here's how I can overcome each one of these things. And I just have been moving forward. And I'm happy to say I've made up that dollar <laughs> amount. Yay. <laughs> Yay. And then as of yesterday, um, I am almost at my goal that I told the bank. They asked me when I was starting my business account, like, well, how much are you going to make in one year? And I was like, I'm going to make this. And I just threw out a number. I'm almost at that number though. And so yesterday I like, I went downstairs and I told my husband, I said, dance with me. And he goes, why? And I go, just dance with me. And he goes, okay. And he gets up and he starts awkwardly dancing. <laughs> He's like, why are we dancing? <laughs> I'm celebrating that I just closed two more big deals. <laughs> and like, and did you record this said dancing? Was it a, <laughs> a TikTok video now? <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm on video now with you. So you get a preview. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think has been you know, like, what can you pull from that time of over, I know you, you mentioned those lists, which I absolutely love that. I think that that's such a powerful, just reframing activity. Um, what other things did you do that other entrepreneurs can learn from to be able to overcome this massive loss? I mean, for anybody starting a new business, that would be so defeating in the moment. And then to be able to reframe, get back to it, and then meet your, or very close to meet your revenue goal for the year is pretty phenomenal in the middle of a pandemic. 
So is there any other piece that you can pull out of that or a piece of learning that our listeners could implement? That is a really good question. Um, besides reframing uh, the thoughts, it really is about putting things into action and creating yourself an action plan. To me, uh, it is a matter of reaching out. I have a phenomenal squad of female entrepreneurs, you being one of those, who I am completely passionate about their businesses and their success. And I feel um, they are the same towards me. And having that group of people, a lot of people that are entrepreneurs feel like they're by, they're by themselves and making all those decisions. And you don't have to be. If you have the right people that you're connected with to just help you think outside of the box and connect you with the right people. I immediately went to, because my niche is speaking, I immediately started reaching out to keynote speakers uh, not to be my clients, but to ask them who they worked with. So they introduced me to a videographer that only records keynote presentations. And then he could introduce me to speakers after, you know, after we built a relationship. But I started making a list of all of the people that were serving the same profession that I wanted to serve. And reaching out to them and making that connection and kind of building a foundation of go-to people that I could recommend as well because they had services that I didn't offer. And so we just kind of started creating these uh, interactions and I would send them people. I always send first because it just makes me happier <laughs> to give before I ask. But I would start giving them uh, clients or prospects. I had one woman, Tamsin, who's amazing. And she like will write your entire keynote speech for you, which I think is very interesting. Wow. Because uh, to find somebody else's tone. Yeah. Absolutely. How they would speak. So she works with a lot of really high end uh, keynote speakers. And so she has been referring people to me. I work with event people. So a lot of my large contracts are actually from my event coordinators that are working with speakers and they hire me to work with all of their speakers for their virtual events. So it was just kind of, okay, instead of going after these, uh, these ones and twos right now, I need to readjust and look how I can do a many to one scenario in order to get my feet off the ground. And so coming at it with different approaches in different areas that you can tap into. I really highly suggest just looking at who you serve and you have to be very specific about who you serve. You know, I'm a geek about <laughs> your ideal customer, but uh, if the more specific you are on who your ideal customer is, the more you can find other people that are not competitive to you, but who serve that same group and can help you in some capacity if they feel like it'll be a mutual relationship. I love the relationship piece, that focus, because I think the tendency is when you're, you, you lose work or you're short on work, you go and you just try to cold call people, you know, to, to get new clients that never works. It's no. never worked for me. Um, I, I've definitely gone through lots of phases. I've been in business over 10 years now and early on it was very much like, who can I write to try to win their business? I, I didn't know what I was doing, right? And 
today it's all about the relationships and and content marketing just being present on the internet writing stuff producing stuff getting things out there i think it just creates a when when people do refer to you it's so easy for people to make a decision to hire you before they ever meet you because they have an opportunity to see all the things that you've created and and that you have been around for a while that you've been that you know what you're talking about um I, yeah, I just, I think those two pieces are so incredibly important, especially when you're having a hardship in your business. 100% Stacey. And I think that as I reflect, like in this moment, all of my clients with an exception of one are referrals. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, right? It's like the power of people sending and it's huge trust when somebody sends a referral to you, right? And you want to honor that referral and, and take such great care of people. Wow. These are amazing tips, Misty. And I just absolutely adore you. I imagine that our listeners do too by now, just hearing your, your expertise, your experience, and you're so unique in the way that you approach helping people with their, you know, their speaking and just the whole entire, the whole production, creative producer. Um, where can people learn more about you? And are there any current projects that you'd like to share that, that people could take advantage of to learn more from you? They can find me on mistymejia.com or I am, I won't say prolific, but pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. The other way that they can connect with me in January, I'm really excited. I will be launching an on-demand speaking course, and it takes all of my tips and tricks from my theater side on how to execute phenomenal presentations, and then my 20 years of speaking for corporations and cities and organizations, and kind of packages all that up. If you, they can't do one-on-one -on -one sessions with me individually, then this will be a phenomenal experience for them to go through. I'm so excited about this program, Misty. I mean, just, I have gotten to watch your journey of building it and the level of intentionality and just heart that you've put into this. I cannot even imagine I'm sure that the final product is going to like blow my mind because <laughs> everything you do is just phenomenal. I'm really, really excited about that. Well, I hope that so many people will go to mistymejia.com. Uh, last name, by the way, is spelled M-E-G-I-A. So it's mistymejia.com. Thank you so much just for joining me um, and having this conversation. It's so, and we've been talking about it for so long. So it's great to get to finally have you on. Thank you for having me and thank you everybody for spending time with us today and making space. We know you have a lot of things to balance out there, so I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. Thanks, Misty. This podcast is produced by me, Stacey Ennis. Special thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Katherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I'm grateful. You can always access show notes, including any links mentioned in this episode at stacyennis.com slash podcast. And you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at Stacy Ennis, or on Facebook at Stacy Ennis Creative. 
Thank you so much for joining me this week. Here's to building lives that are beyond better.